Welcome to another episode of the Let's Sip Podcast, the podcast we pontificate on all things craft beer. I am your host, Brandon E. Gaylor, and if you'll permit me for just a moment to discuss something outside of the beer world, I did get the chance to finally return to the movies after probably close to a year and a half, not the better part of two years. Now, if you've listened to two previous episodes of the show, you know that I'm a huge fan of just a few things. I love going to the movies. I love going to breweries and tap rooms and sitting and enjoying beer. And I love going to coffee shops as well and just being able to relax and chill with a nice cup of coffee. So getting the chance to finally go back to the movie theater and do something I love and see a movie on the big screen was a huge privilege and a a great thing to be certain. So I am very much pumped for that. Uh, Here locally we do have a theater that does play some uh, more indie releases. The movie I chose to go with to go back for my first trip in such a long time was In the Heights. Uh, I thought it was pretty solid. You can read my review online if you follow me over on the other side of my world. Um, So yeah, um, but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, But this particular movie theater does play uh, indie releases and stuff like that. And their facility is... I'd never been there before. I'd walked by many times during the pandemic. But I'd never been inside. And the facility was super clean. Very nice, even felt a little fancy, Uh, but the prices were very reasonable as well. Uh, The matinee was only $10, so that was was cheaper than I expected by far, but for such a nice facility, the price was great, and uh, the the opportunity to see some more independent films in the future is uh, definitely a great thing to be had. I was hoping they would switch up their releases this weekend. But they did not, which is understandable, of course. Uh, People are still kind of working their way back to the movies. It was just myself and one other person in the theater. However, it was a daytime showing, I think, on either a Monday or Tuesday. So that does make sense. But enough movie talk. Let's get back to some beer talk. Well, um... I don't know if anybody out there is a huge fan of Flying Dog or not. Myself, I was never a big fan of their beers. I didn't like too many of them that I had tried. However, I I haven't really found them around Texas here. I don't know if they distribute here or not. And um, I just haven't had any Flying Dog in quite a while. I would be curious to try them again. They are still apparently super huge and highly successful. As of uh, on the tw- as as um, according to the Brewers Association, uh, in 2020 they were number 35 um, when it comes to sales volume. So apparently they are still very large and doing putting up great numbers. So they are still a very popular brewery. Like I said, I would like to revisit them, but when I had had them previously, they just didn't suit my fancy. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. They obviously suit many other people's fancies for being uh, so high up on the list. 
especially when there's over 8,000 breweries in the country. Well, the reason I bring up a flying dog is because the founder of Flying Dog, uh, George Stranahan, he just passed away. And apparently he was a physicist uh, who spent a lot of time in Colorado. And actually, Flying Dog started as a brew pub in Colorado, which I did not know. They now produce their beers in Maryland, and I always knew them to be like a, a big East Coast brewery. But they actually got their start as a brew pub in Aspen, so that was interesting to read about. And the owner was a physicist, and um, he actually was a friend. He was a friend of Hunter S. Thompson, uh, such a friend that uh, he actually enlisted the uh, illustrator of Thompson's books a gentleman by the name of Ralph Stedman, to create some of their beer labels. So if you've seen um, some of the uh, early beer labels that Flying Dog had in that style, um, those uh, labels were actually drawn by the same guy who illustrated Hunter S. Thompson's books. So if you see similarities there in the style, then um, that is that is exactly why. So it was nice to read up and learn a little bit more about Flying Dog, uh, apparently. Um, unfortunately, it had to be with such sad news. Uh, the founder passed away at the age of 89. As of the time of this recording, there really isn't too much other big news going on in the world of craft beer. So I just will jump right into talking about what I've been drinking lately. I, uh, the other place I ha happened to manage to walk by many times during the pandemic, but I'd never been into, was a Belgian beer bar, which I finally got the chance to go into and, uh, see what they had and try some of their beers, and they really do have an amazing place right in the downtown heart of Texas, just, uh, less than a mile away from the the Capitol building, and they they had just have some great beers, uh, Belgian beers, and on tap even too. So that's that's quite a feat. I uh, my most recent visit, I tried the Hublon Schuf, uh, which is in the uh, the the Schuf series. It's uh, it's a Belgian IPA, and it was on draft, and it was quite good. I don't I don't know if I I I well. I think I do. I can say I've had it before. I believe. I believe I do have. I have had it in bottles, but I have never had it on draft. I know that for a fact, and uh, uh, it was just amazing to be able to drink like a good Belgian beer like that on draft. And even if the keg wasn't super fresh, you still have a better. I think you have slightly better odds because beer is not in a bottle. It's not, it doesn't have light hitting it, and um, yeah, it's inside the keg, so it's not getting that light exposure um, to um, kick it. Odds are maybe it's uh, spending more time in refrigeration. I'm not sure about that, but that's pretty amazing. And like usually if we're having Belgian beers, 
uh, it's, you're at the mercy of the distributor that brought it to the bar or the retail shop you purchased it from. And then you just never know how old it's going to be. With importing and all that going on, it really is hard to pull super fresh product when it comes to import beers. Uh, especially like in the world of Belgium and, and, and some of the smaller uh, breweries uh, that would import. I did also try, they, they had a Chimay night, so they had tapped the Chimay Cinq Cent, which is uh, spelled like a C-I-N-Q, and then the, like the word cents, like dollars and cents, but apparently it's supposed to be pronounced Cinq, uh, cinq Cent. Uh, but that is, uh, it was a uh, triple, and uh, it did not quite pour like a triple. It was a little bit more amber, a little more reddish tone to it than I would expect from a triple. Almost looked more in the realm of a classic American IPA in color. A little more caramelly, I think another person had commented. So that was a surprise, but... Um, Oh, it was it was super yeasty as well. There's a lot of yeast. Um, person sitting near me had had commented on that. And I noticed the same thing. It actually had so much yeast that it actually the uh, there was a little bit of layer in there that mixed with the head of the beer, and it created like a circular oval shape in the middle of my glass. And as I drank the beer, the oval was was not going away. It would just kind of it would move around slightly, but it would just be sitting in the center of the glass. So yeah, it was very, very yeasty. But it was quite tasty as well. I think the only downside when it comes to drinking at a Belgian beer bar is the price on a lot of the beers. Of course, they're imports and they're a little bit harder to get and have a little more, have a longer, uh, longer distance to travel before they come to us. So the prices are always a little bit higher. Usually, uh, sometimes you're getting less than a full pint, depending on ABVs. So, it's not it's not cheap to drink at a Belgian beer bar, I would say that. But, uh, it's always very cool to try these different things. And I not did not only stick to Belgian beers, either. Um, there's actually a local brewery out of Texas called Vista, which I had not really heard of before, but they made a plum lambic that I had to try haven't had a lambic in forever and that really hit the spot i was um i had forgotten how much i do enjoy a lambic from time to time and this uh plum lambic was the right right choice at the right time i had eyed it on the board and i'm like i should try a lambic again i haven't had it in so long and i did i can't say i'm my palate's nuanced enough to pick up on the 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 the, the, uh, the subtle hints of plum, um, so I would have to. I really didn't notice too much of like plum plum. It was it was just more of the sour notes that I was really picking up on my palate. But uh, it's not quite as refined as it ought to be in my opinion. So that's why I keep practicing by ordering another pint. And speaking of um, another pints or pints. There's also a brewery called Lone Pint. They have a beer called the Yellow Rose IPA. This beer is always on tap at this uh, Belgian beer bar. Because some people just like IPAs and 
they don't like the Belgian IPA, there's an American style IPA, you know, something for them to drink. And uh, the time previous to this most recent trip, it was really hot outside, just got enough of work, and I I couldn't jump into a Belgian beer, couldn't jump into something like high ABV and heavy right off the bat. I needed something lighter and a little more refreshing, a little more easy drinking. So I had just previously had tasted the Yellow Rose, so I ordered a full pint of it. And it is a really, really, really solid IPA. I enjoyed it very much. So um, it's great that they always have it on tap, but I, I, I had to look up more information about the beer. And that's when I realized that the Yellow Rose is a smash beer. So it's single malt and single hop. And so um, the it's great to taste and... Um, yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense once I realized that it was a smash beer. So I've always had that experience with a good smash beer. I don't know what it is, if it's just the cleanliness of it to the simplicity of it, but smash beers and knock it out of the park every time. And the Yellow Rose was no exception. So uh, if you're in Texas and you have a Yellow Pint, or I'm sorry, Lone Pint and the Yellow Rose IPA available to you, I would definitely re definitely recommend picking it up and giving it a try. Uh, if you find out any other beers are smash beers and they say single malt, single hop, go for them. Definitely. It's always, always. I've never really truly been that. Dis I've never been disappointed by a smash beer. They've always been really, really tasty. And uh, the... Uh, Yellow Rose has mosaic hops, so you can't go wrong with that hop either. And whatever malt they used, it brings out a little bit something different in the taste that, um, I don't know, it, it doesn't taste like a classic mosaic in my opinion. I think that's the malt they use that balances nicely with it. it takes a little bit of the edge off the mosaic and gives it a unique, different character, so... I uh, was very happy to have a full pint of that guy, even if it was at a Belgian beer bar. Now, in my last couple of episodes, I've talked about the patios outside of breweries. Uh, and I thought it was time that I talked about an actual beer garden. So I went to a place called ABGB, Austin Beer Garden Brewery. This is another brewery that I happened to, uh, this is one I just found on my travels around and just happened to walk by it one day. And initially, I forgot that it was actually there, um, but then I remembered it one day and I'm like, I need to go and try this place out. Kind of a very unassuming uh, entrance. There's just a sign by the road. It's kind of attached to a small office complex. So it doesn't sit close to the road, which is one of its perks when you get out to the actual garden and outside area and um i went there one day on a day off i think uh, they're not open mondays so it was a tuesday and uh, i went basically right when they opened so it was like midday on a tuesday so there's nobody there it was very light on foot traffic and i was really 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 impressed with their setup their outdoor area is very nice. They're, they're basically just large picnic tables, but the picnic tables are super spread out. 
there's kind of like certain tiers and like uh, some steps going up to like an outdoor bar area. They also have seating inside with a full bar inside. But in the outside area, they have a walk-up bar. But around that, they've got tables on like the concrete at the same level of the bar, but spaced kind of further out away from it. And then as you go down these steps, like towards the parking lot, there's like two more levels of picnic tables. So very spread out uh, under a lot of natural trees. So you got a lot of some, uh, some, some natural shade going on. So that was very cool. And their beers were just really, really, really solid. Now they they won they actually won some medals for their beers at GABF. Uh, their Hells is one that won a gold medal a few years back, and they actually won the award for uh, small brew pub of the year. I believe it was 2016, 2017, and 2018. So three years in a row, they won the title of best small brew pub, and. Since the last time they won that award was in 2018, I was kind of at first thinking, are they past their prime? You know, are they not as great as they once were? Of course, you you know, you get a little skeptical and you think that. But I think the answer is definitely no. And they they are in, a, there's, there's kind of two camps of breweries. There's a brewery that's going to kind of branch out and try to do some unique stuff and do kind of uh, take bigger chances and kind of go off of the uh, deviate away from the style map if you would say and then there are other breweries that don't really do that but uh, the, when they when they produce a beer it's always like crisp clean and according to style and I mean both breweries are fine uh, in that regard I mean both they they both have their perks in those in those two camps. Uh, I think ABGB definitely falls into the second camp. The the brewery that kind of came to my mind when I was talking to somebody else about these guys was a brewery like Rock Bottom. You can say what you want about Rock Bottom, of course they are a chain and all that, but I mean they did used to win medals at GABF and they're. The beer is always it's very high on quality, and it's always very they're it's very solid. You but you'll never see like a really special, you know, you won't see a milkshake a beer from them probably, or like a big pastry stout with a bunch of adjuncts. They just make clean according to style beers, but they're always really solid, and that is exactly what uh, Austin Beer Garden Brewery is doing. Now the first beer on the menu that caught my eye was a hoppy red ale, so I had to have that because I always like seeing a red ale, and if it's hoppy, it's even better. Now I I it wasn't quite as uh, it was more hoppy bitter than it was. I would want something a little more aromatic, something closer to like something like Bear Republic would put out perhaps. Uh, it was definitely super malty as well. But it was still very, very tasty. And uh, this was the case with all of their beers. Their their double IPA is a little toned down, a little more milder than what I would expect from a double IPA. I think it's only like 7.8% ABV. Um, and I, I'm still on the hunt uh, for the 
uh, like my go-to IPA for now. The Art Car from St. Arnold is the one I go with, but I am always keeping my eyes out for other options. Um, they have a an IPA called Superliner, and it's really, really solid, very good. Maybe just a little too malt forward for my liking. I, w I would I would like for the hops and the bitterness to be a little more in the forefront and the malt to take a slight backseat. Uh, Superliner just a tad too malt forward for to be my go-to IPA. But it, it is great that it is always there. I believe they had around seven beers on tap when I went there the first time, and I did end up drinking all seven on my first trip there. But it was super reasonably priced as well. I don't know if uh, they gave me one or two pints for free, but uh, my bill was only about $30, and I had a, uh, a couple slices of pizza and a pretzel when I was there as well as all those beers. So that's, that was ridiculously cheap. I could not believe how cheap my bill was. And the food was very solid as well. Um, Austin pizza is still Austin pizza. Coming from Chicago, it's just a different animal. But the slices were very good. They just take slices from the pizzas they make, of course, and warm them up, warm them up but it was super tasty nonetheless. And the pretzel I had first was very, very good. So I was very impressed. Their, their food was really good too. Very reasonably priced. This most recent trip, I actually, I actually ordered a whole pizza for myself. The crust, it's kind of like a New York style, Brooklyn style crust. So thick enough to have a, you know, have a little weight to it. And I went, I went with a 16 ounce, which was larger than I expected it to be. My, my eyes were a little bit bigger in my stomach, or maybe it was just my brain is what I pictured. But the pizza was only $15. I just went with a cheese. You know, I, I was just feeling just a solid cheese pizza. It was only $15, so I thought that was super reasonably priced. I was able to eat the whole pizza in one sitting, but it, it filled me up. I was stuffed and kind of, kind of regretted going for that last slice, but I'm like, I got to do it. I just got to. So I, I I knuckled down and I got it done. Are you aren't you aren't you impressed? But no, it's great to find a place where you can get some different food options for really reasonably priced. Like I said, otherwise I would have left there and probably spent nearly the same amount at Taco Bell or something like that. So uh, for that price, and you can eat at like a local place where they're making the food fresh and everything else. That is very cool. And it is very close to where I live, too, so it's only a short walk away. So that is a plus. And like I said, the, the beers are really, really good. Uh, they make a Hell's. They make a more of a German-style Pilsner, more of an American-style Pilsner. Um, the Hoppy Red. The pay, They got a Pale Ale. They've got the IPA. They got a double IPA. Perhaps maybe they have one more Pilsner. Uh, so there's definitely something for everyone there to try, and they are all very, very good. So um, I definitely enjoyed my time at the Austin Beer Garden Brewery, and uh, I think I've been there three times now. Um, it's only been a few weeks, so it's rapidly becoming one of my go-to places to go and hang out and enjoy um, some beer. And they also have a painting up of, uh, that's uh, Caddyshack themed. So uh, 
I'm very much, um, very much enjoyed seeing that yesterday as well. Other than that, I did meet a few new people out in my beer travels. Um, they did recommend some beer options, uh, some local stuff that I should try in my hunt to find a regular go-to stable for beer. And um, so hopefully I will be able to hunt down some of those options and give them a try and report back in future episodes. But for now, that's going to do it for my latest in my beer adventures and what I've been doing. I uh, thank everybody for listening, and I will definitely catch you all in the next episode. That will do it for this episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. Podcast theme music composed by Brandon E. Gaylor. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time. Bye-bye.